Welcome to Your Career Podcast, the podcast that helps to ensure your career success. To start getting on track with your career, download my free career goals calendar from thecareersacademy.online. My goals calendar includes a smart goals template and a weekly tasks sheet that will ensure step-by-step you get closer to reaching your career goals. So download my goals calendar today at thecareersacademy.online. Now on with the show. Welcome to episode 186 of Your Career Podcast. Happy New Year! It's 2020 and this is the first podcast of the year. I'm wishing you much success, good health, happiness and lots of family time in the new year. So welcome to Your Career Podcast. Each week I provide valuable career development advice or fascinating interviews with professionals who have made amazing career changes. In today's rapidly changing world of work, managing your career has become more and more difficult. So how do you stay relevant? How do you keep your skills up to date? What skills will remain in demand and how can you land your dream job in this this digital world in which the recruitment process is constantly evolving. For support to manage your career, the Careers Academy Online is where I provide all the support you need. There are career management resources, personal branding and LinkedIn programs for you, together with confidence building programs, resume writing masterclasses and much, much more. You can join my monthly group career coaching sessions, plus have a one-on-one coaching session with me. Visit www.thecareersacademy.online for all you need to take control of your career. Find the links in my show notes at janejacksoncoach.com forward slash podcast too. I can't wait to see you on the inside. Today, I am delighted to interview a very special man whom I met through the Key Person of Influence Business Accelerator program. He is a generous, warm-hearted individual, and I'm very happy to have him on the show today. Anthony Chansamuth is a content strategist, copywriter, and speaker. He's the co-founder of Founders Connect and the Remote Business Summit, along with his wife, Cindy Pham. Together, they're on a mission to help entrepreneurs and leaders to launch, grow, and optimize their remote teams so that they can enjoy true freedom. They're also co-hosts of the Founders Connect podcast, found on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. Let's find out how Anthony made the successful career transition from senior project management at Hewlett-Packard to marketing, and then entrepreneurship. And so let's welcome Anthony to the show. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Jane. How are you? (laughs) Really well. And so lovely to be talking to you because I know that you're in Bali at the moment and lots of exciting things happening for you and your business. And I'm over here in Sydney and it's, oh, it's very dark now. It's about 
eight o'clock, 7.30, eight o'clock at night. But um, very exciting to, to hear all about what you're doing and also your career journey. Now, as you know, Anthony, this career podcast is all about career transitions and developing resilience. And you are one of the most resilient people I know who knows how to reinvent his career. So how about, just to kick us off, um, tell us what were your early career aspirations as a little boy? So this is a great question. I was uh, quite excited to to hear that you're going to ask this question because no one's really asked me this. Um, And when I was in school, interestingly enough, I wanted to be a business person. Uh, Now, I don't know why that was the case, but my parents definitely weren't that. Uh, They had traditional blue-collar jobs and came up in, in that world. And then when I went to school, I remember in year, I think it was grade eight, we were pulled into the career advisor's room and, and then, you know, we asked promptly, uh, what, yeah, what do you want to do when you graduate high school? Uh, and I, had, I honestly had no idea. And so he gave me 24 hours to go home, do some research, whatever that looked like, and then come back to him the next day and, and tell him something. Uh, and that's what I did. So I went home and I was, at the time, I was playing a lot of um, Commodore 64 games and Atari games and things like this. And I thought, well, maybe I'll be a programmer. Like, I'll create games. How about that? And so I went back to the advisor and said, yes, that's what I want to be. I want to be a gamer, uh, game <laughs> software person. I didn't even know what they were called back then. Uh, and he said, great. So you're going to have to study physics and chemistry. So they're going to be your electives next year when you go into grade nine. Mm. And um, the interesting story from that was I failed I failed chemistry and I, uh, yes, and I barely passed physics um, and then realized somewhere along the way that uh, I actually had a, a knack for lit- literature and related English, which is what I studied uh, in the senior levels of school. And I loved Hamlet and getting into, you know, this linguistics and um, how to, you know, write and, and storytelling and all these sort of different things that we learnt, poetry, we, we studied some of the great Australian poets uh, and that kind of was my first foray into the world of the arts, right? So when mm. I went to university, I actually signed up for a double degree, a, an arts major and a science major, um, both. It was a double degree, five-year program. I lasted one year in arts and then um, was you know, probably told by everyone around me, hey, you're never going to get a, a job in arts. Like you can't be a writer making any money. So you might as well go do the, the computer science thing. And that's what I did. Um, and that's how I yeah, developed my skill set in IT uh, and really kind of that's where it leads to where I am today. And we ah, can talk about that. Ah, no wonder, because in your early days, your early jobs was with HP in IT as a project manager. And I was wondering, you know, that that's a big change. So from wanting to be a gamer... <laughs> <laughs> which obviously didn't work, not enjoying chemistry or physics, um, and then following your heart, which was really the humanities uh, with language and literature, uh, and and then going back into the science side. It really, it, it, it must have been a bit confusing for you in the early days. Absolutely. And um, what I discovered throughout my university, but also my early years in at HP. So I, when I left, when I graduated, I actually worked for AOL for a time when they were still around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then TPG, which has now become a, a mammoth company in Australia, um, and then went from core centers to core center and ended up at HP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was there that 
I realized very quickly within 12 months, I was promoted from a call center operator to the team leader and I managed a team of 10 staff um, in New South Wales and then, then was became one of the project managers who managed global teams. Uh, so I had Asia Pacific and then I worked with some people in Costa Rica and also in the US. Uh, and I learned along the way that what came naturally to me was the ability to connect with people and to lead people and to inspire them and motivate them and really look at what was um, – and to train them. Like, I, I was really – I had just a knack for uh, picking up concepts and then being able to deliver them in a way that people would understand them. Uh, and I, I had tremendous pride from seeing people that I would train, you know, pick up a skill or to be able to do a task. Uh, and that's why when I applied to become the team manager, I was actually – head-to-head head head against someone who had been in a team much more longer than I had been. Uh, and they gave me the nod because they said, you know, you just have this ability to, to talk to people um, and, 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 you know, uh, connect and, and find out what motivates them. And we want a leader. We don't want just someone with technical ability. And so that's kind of how I moved up the ranks in terms of in where I was in HP. Because mm-hmm. you, you really, you exude a lot of warmth and you're so friendly. And, you know, like when I first met you and started talking to you, it's like, oh, he's such a nice, nice man. <laughs> and, and, and very fun. You know, it's just you exude joy. You know, that's what's so, and I think, I think that's why you always have a big smile on your face. And it's like you want to get to know people, which is so, so, so lovely. And so how, how did uh, the changes happen? Because you are like a multiple entrepreneur. Mm. Um, and, you know, you're a content creator, you're a content strategist now. It's, it's such a big change from those early days. And so what, what made, what prompted you to leave corporate? Right. So the interesting thing was whilst I was in corporate, I took on, a, I mentioned I took a leadership role, I uh, loved the training aspect. I love actually developing training programs. I loved, you know, doing, I was put in charge of uh, creating a reward and recognition initiative for our department. And I did that and I won an award for that. And um, so I kind of knew, hey, this is something that, you know, if I were to leave corporate, that's where I could pursue event potentially. Um, and to answer the question why I left corporate because it got to a point where we were offshoring back in 2013 or something like that. We were offshoring a lot of our work to India and to low cost centers around the world. Uh, And so I was basically given a choice. I was, I could leave the company at that point in time, or I could stay on as a project manager and go over and essentially, uh, first of all, I had to fire my team. So the 10 people I were under me, I had to actually let them go, which was, is never a fun experience. Mm -hmm. And then I had to, go over to India and train the new people who were taking over the people that I had let go. So this was a lot of mixed emotions. I also took it on as an opportunity because it was like, hey, this thing is happening right now and, you know, I can go and learn all about different cultures and how do you work with new cultures. And it's interesting now because, you know, fast forward to 2019 where we are now uh, and this has become, you know, standard. Like you, you're outsourcing the people in the Philippines, mm-hmm. you're outsourcing the people all over the place um, and it's just the way of life now. But back then it was quite new. Yeah, And so um, I then left when I, I got a transfer from uh, Sydney to Toronto um, during that time period. And they basically gave me the opportunity to go and work in the Toronto office. Uh, and then within eight months, I was let, I was made redundant because they started letting go of all their project managers uh, mm-hmm. in our department. Right. Uh, and that's when I was given um, this really interesting situation where it's kind of like, well, um, I had this visa, which is tied to HP and I'm not allowed to work for anyone else. Like the, the Canadian government, when basically immigration was saying you cannot work for anyone else uh, because you're being sponsored by that company. Um, but I still had 
I think like 12 months left on the visa and I didn't want to go, go home to Australia yet. So I thought, okay, well, what do I do? And one of my um, housemates at the time said, you know, well, you've been doing this like volunteer salsa teaching thing at the church every, you know, Saturday. Salsa teaching? Yes. I didn't yes. know about that, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I picked up that habit like when I went over there and, um, and I said, okay, let's give it a go. And there was this website at the time which is huge now, but back then it was kind of starting up. It was called meetup.com. And uh, I listed an event, you know, for beginner salsa classes. Uh, we ran them out of our living room. <laughs> and uh, people, start, like, it was within two weeks, we had 200 new members. And I posted an event saying, hey, why don't you come over to this venue? You know, didn't say it's my house. Uh, and uh, we'll pay what you can. I'll put a hat out and, you know, talking about hats, here you go. So I put a hat out like that and say, put whatever you want in here and you'll get a class for an hour. And um, that was my first entry into the world of entrepreneurship right mm. didn't know it at the time but that, that's what it was and then what, what a brilliant way to begin by doing something <laughs> that you really enjoy absolutely and this kind of this is a valuable lesson about passion like following a passion and turning that mm. into business because over time I did that for about uh, a year and a half and I was actually invited to teach within organizations so they would you know have their um, staff come into classes I would run for eight or 12 week work programs and then I realized, well, this is a lot of work and it's actually kind of taking the joy out of like my passion, you know, like mm -hmm. I love to dance and to teach, but this was just not what I thought it would be. Um, and I actually during that stint, I actually um, was training to be a ballroom instructor. So I went through learning eight, I think it was eight different styles, both lead and follower steps and three different movements for eight different styles across the period of like two months and my brain was fried like it was just so <laughs> much and not only that that was just learning how to dance and then on top of that was learning how to sell because the role of the instructor is also to sell um, mm -hmm. people into programs right and I just didn't I didn't love that part of it because I felt it, I wasn't really giving value to the students and I was pressurizing them to sell and it, you know I just wanted to teach like that's mm -hmm. really I think it takes the joy out of it when you when you start have to really sell and sell and yes. and it really when it's hard sales it's very different from like marketing and but if someone's enjoying the process then they naturally become customers anyway which is Absolutely. a lovely thing but then if you've got KPIs to meet and you have to sign up a certain number of people suddenly the pressure and you know it ends up being you know a, a bit of a sweaty palm exercise it's like what if they don't sign up what if I don't meet my my KPIs yes. so so that that I guess took the shine out of it a little bit but you know well so far this shows that you are very adaptable and so it's a bit like when life life brings you lemons. So you know, like you, it, with without offshoring and outsourcing, it's part and parcel of corporate life. It just happens, yes. and especially when it comes to call centres, because they they will be every call centre will be outsourced somewhere. And then if it works well, good for them. But if not, then they insource again. So it's Absolutely. a bit like a, a bit like a cycle. But um, but how lovely to have had that opportunity to work in Toronto as well yes. and to launch your entre entrepreneurial venture. Um, yes. And so. When, when the shine um, became a little bit dim when it came to dancing, uh, yes. what did you do next? So whilst I was doing the, the dancing, I was also, I mean, that was only a couple of days a week. The rest of my time, I was actually getting into learning how to use Twitter and Facebook, which, which were the big social media platforms at the time and mm. still are to some degree. Um, and then I ended up being a volunteering for a social enterprise in Toronto uh, and said, pitch to them, hey, like, you know, I can actually help you guys out with your social media strategy and, and implementing, you know, like getting people to come to your events and these sort of things. Um, 
prior to that, I had also studied NLP. So back in Sydney, when I was still in corporate, I, I did some NLP tra- um, certification training. And so I basically, and they loved that because they, they were these young graduates coming out of uni and they were, and, and they were saying, oh, we, we would love to have someone who could understand psychology, who could actually, you know, work with some of our, uh, you know, young, young people to actually work on their mindsets and, and you know, because it was a, um, it was called the Young Social Entrepreneurs of Canada, and they were all about their mission were to empower young social entrepreneurs um, and to create really you know good businesses um, in the country, and work with young people to do that. So we ran a ton of events, and uh, they they saw that value, and they said, well, why don't you come in, help us with the social media, uh, but also you know help us coach our, like even our leaders within the team because some of them need some help with with that area. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that led to an actual my first ever client in the social media world, uh, in the marketing world, which was a guy, a random um, event that I, I went to. A friend of mine on the team was meant to go on this cruise. She couldn't go. So she said, Anne, why don't you come along to this cruise on my behalf? And I went and I met the guy who was doing the sound um, for, for the cruise. And he ended up being a guy who had his own web de- development company for 10 years. And he said, we need someone to come in and consult our clients on how to do social media. Uh, and so that kind of led to, to me doing consulting work um, and really utilizing the skills I had developed whilst, mm. whilst volunteering. The power of the network. How interesting. Yes. And so now, now this is when you were still in Canada. And so you, you had that, that um, problem where uh, if you were leaving HP and then you yes. had to have the visa and be sponsored by the company, uh, but then you went into, you know, your different entrepreneurial ventures. How, how did you manage that? How did you manage the, the visa status? So, so um, it was kind of like, I basically had a registered business or an ABN in Australia. Um, I kind of made that happen. Uh, like I had a trip come back to Australia. Long story, but essentially my mother passed away in 20, 2009, so I had to come back to Sydney. Um, and during that time, I basically registered an ABN and went back and then operated as an Australian business in Canada, mm-hmm. um, which meant I didn't have to, to – I, wa- I wasn't violating the, the Canadian visa laws because I wasn't there – if I was to go into Canada as an entrepreneur or a business, I'd have to pay something ridiculous like, you know, a million dollars or something like that, which I didn't, obviously didn't have at the time. Um, and so I just basically freelanced my way through um, and that was able to pay my rent and, and I was able to stick around for that year. Uh, that just shows how up. enterprising, how enterprising you are. Because this is the thing, if you're going to go into entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs have to dance in the moment so often and, you know, if something isn't quite working the way you want it to you have to make it happen as well it sounds like you really make things happen for yourself and and once you got into that and with the social media and the training and the digital marketing that's really the the path that you have followed now for quite a number of years absolutely yes so I started running workshops as part of the the team I was on and um, and that's kind of a when I look back I did an exercise with them, um, led by a career coach, much like yourself. And, and I was, I was, I always remember the exercise because what they did was to look back, um, basically say, Hey, look back at your career to date and what has been the consistent, you know, skill or interest or passion that has been there the whole time that you maybe hadn't identified. Uh, and it was like a light bulb. It just, I, for me, it was, wow, I just love to teach. Like it, whatever it is, you know, doing workshops, speaking on a stage, right, um, podcasting, whatever it is now, that's just a form of teaching for me. And, you know, I love to research and learn at the same time. And that, that was the consistent thread. So 
you know, we fast forward to coming back to Sydney and, and to Australia. Um, I launched a Facebook ad agency with a, a, a co-founder or a partner. And uh, we ran that for a couple of years and built a bit of a brand for ourselves in, in Sydney. Uh, and then uh, we part ways. But um, that whole time, we were just delivering. He, he, my partner, was delivering the service, but I was the one going out and actually doing all the talks and, and educating um, you know, entrepreneurs and small businesses on how to use Facebook. So mm-hmm. that was uh, me kind of stepping into my genius, if you will, and then mm-hmm. him doing what he does best. So that, mm-hmm. that was a nice partnership. Oh, fantastic. And then fast forward a couple of years, you set up an amazing business called Simple Creative Marketing. And yes. that's where you are now the the, the incredible yeah. content strategist. Yes. <laughs> so it's digital marketing, it's copywriting, and and you really create some incredible copy that enables people to to really showcase their skill sets on their websites and you know various content. Yes? Yes, yes. So yeah, my clients essentially hire me to wordsmith a lot of their ideas and concepts and take it out of. So a lot of these people are technical. So whether they're, I'm working with an accounting firm, for example, um, another was a project manager in IT, uh, and they basically have this belief, and I don't agree with them, but their belief is that they're not creative. Um, and it's just not in the way that they just simply say, well, it's very difficult to market my services. Uh, and I'm very good at sitting down with someone and just unpacking or, or they're, they're like, I have the technical understanding, you know, because I have come from the IT mm-hmm. world um, and, and the project management world, but I just sit down with someone like this and I just say, okay, well, tell me, tell me all about, you know, your expertise. And then, then I'll ask questions to using my coaching skills to ask questions to pull out the relevant insights that their audiences might want um, and removing a lot of technical jargon because people don't want to hear you know, or the, the P&L and all these things that, you know, mm-hmm. we want to hear it, but not in those words necessarily. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the craft. And, and as I, I ran a copywriting workshop the other night and the key takeaway I gave to the participants was, you know, the best copywriters and the best marketers are actually the best researchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the more time they spend on researching and listening to the people, the better the marketing will be because it's actually, it's all about communication and messaging. Yeah. And you have to be able to tell the story, don't you? Yes. Yeah. So what would you say are, are your um, top tips for someone who wishes to be a copywriter? Yeah, so I would say, you know, really learn two things. One is to, um, well, first thing you need to practice. Like I was, I've been writing, I've been blogging since 2009 uh, and had a, started with a personal blog, didn't even know what a blog was at the time and just wrote. And, and it was almost a cathartic, you know, like, um, uh, what do you call it, therapy for, for myself and just to get my ideas out, my thoughts and feelings. During that career transition, I had um, another reason why I left corporate, which I didn't mention, was I actually had a brain surgery in 2009, um, sorry, 2006. Uh, and that was, you know, I was overworked and it, there was a lot of stress happening at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I was writing as a way to release a lot of that. And to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized along the way, and this is a tip in terms of copywriting, is you need to write for an audience. So you need to think about, well, who the audience is. If it's going to be a client, for example, um, then you need to understand, well, what are they trying, who are they trying to commute, uh, co- sorry, communicate with? Mm-hmm. And then what's the, the motivations and what's the you know, desires of that particular audience? And then how to, how to marry that with what service or product the, uh, the business provides right mm-hmm. and so then now you now you're not just writing but you're writing 
applying some um, key principles around storytelling uh, and then applying that to a, a specific audience in mind, right? So, and that that's where tip number two would be research. That's where the mm-hmm. research comes in. And the more time you actually spend with not only the client, but also the client's clients, right? So I actually, as part of my process, would um, interview, you know, five or 10 of their clients or, or people in their demographic or target audience um, to really understand, well, what, what is it you actually desire? What do you want? And what are your challenges? And a lot of the times, these particular um, customers don't communicate it directly to the business owner, okay? And, and it's for whatever reason, it's because maybe they feel like because you're trying to sell something to me, I don't want to give you the whole truth, right? Mm. Um, and so, but I'm willing to give it to a third party, right, um, in the name of, you know, research, whatever it may be. And I'm transparent. I will say, look, I'm doing this on behalf of the client of the business, right? But I just want to give them honest feedback as well to improve their business as well. Mm-hmm. So that's how we do it. Yeah, so you're really getting into the psyche of the customer as well as the client as well. And Anthony, you're telling me this story about copywriting and you just throw in this little snippet of, oh, and by the way, I had brain surgery. I mean, Anthony, <laughs> that's, that's, that's huge. Oh, my goodness. So the recovery would have taken a long time. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I got over brain surgery by journaling. <laughs> and then you carry on. Honestly, but this this just shows, again, your resilience and whatever life throws at you, you'd somehow turn it around into a positive. And, you know, you've always got the big smile on your face and you're just a, a happy, happy, you know, really approachable, likable guy. <laughs> now, Amazing. You know, Thank you, Jane. I won't take full credit for that. I had a very strong support network. My parents were amazing, you know, my family, my friends. Um, and certainly in that entrepreneurship world, as you would understand, that's critical. You need to have people like yourself and people, you know, who, who, who can relate to you. Um, it's lonely being a copywriter. Like, yeah. like you, literally just you and your, your keyboard or if you're writing on paper, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot of work. But um, I make a great effort to actually connect with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, for so many people, when they do run their own businesses, especially when you're starting out and you might be a one man band, it does get lonely. This is one of the things people don't realize. Everyone's always hankering after having their own business. And wouldn't it be wonderful? I have all this time freedom, I have unlimited earnings potential, and they, have, they paint this rosy picture. Well, in actual fact, it's just a lot of hard work. But Absolutely. if it's what you love, it doesn't actually matter because you know, <laughs> like, I, I love what I do. And if I'm working till midnight, it's my business. Of course, I'm going to enjoy it, right? And, yep. and you, you work you know, as long and as hard as you like, but it's always for your passion. And I think that's so important. And if it benefits the community or benefits someone or benefits an organization, then, then it truly feels rewarding. And being able to craft those words is, is really interesting. Now, you, you, you organize an awful lot of stuff. You know, there's always something going on with you, Anthony. I mean, you've done this, this uh, you, you, there was this warrior women mastermind in Laos that, that, that you organized, which sounds amazing. And, and you, it, this was really a charitable event too, because you were raising funds um, to, to help the children in Laos. Um, and, and so what else are you working on now? So, um, yeah, that was my, I'm still, I call it a social entrepreneur, if you mm. will. Um, I'm driven by purpose and I, mm. I'm driven by doing projects that relate to what's happening in society. So my current project is called Remote Business Summit. Mm. Uh, and it actually, like, I'm glad we talked about the isolation that comes with entrepreneurship mm. because 
what we're observing now is a shift into remote work, mm. and remote working and outsourcing and working with people in different locations. Um, you, a lot of us would have heard about the digital nomad movement and people yep. and freelancing and these sort of things. Um, but what comes with that are a whole, you know, uh, array of challenges, right? And one of those, so basically the summit is bringing together 25 experts in remote work. And these are people who have built remote teams, you know, anything from 10 to 200 staff um, that are working remotely uh, and them sharing their insights around, well, what, what actually needs to, what do you need to do in order to build a company that actually uh, can, can do that? So as a leader, um, what do you need to take care of as an, as, as a leader? And then, what systems you need to put in place, what um, practices do you need to, to consider in terms of like HR or hiring and you know, recruiting and these sort of things, um, and obviously systems and tools. So um, we're all about now the mission for it is actually why my wife Cindy and I, um, we created Founders Connect, uh, was, all, was all about actually helping entrepreneurs to address some of these challenges of growing a, um, a global business, but also uh, the, the challenges you have on a personal level. So we, you know, as I got married a couple of years ago now with Cindy, uh, we, you know, went into the world of entrepreneurship. She kind of came with me uh, and then learnt, okay, we need to like navigate how do you, you know, build a successful marriage, but also build a, a, a successful business. Mm. Uh, and these things always sometimes act at conflict, right? So um, this summit is basically we're looking at the technical aspects, we're looking at the people aspects, and but we're definitely also looking at the human aspect, which is, okay, how do you deal with isolation? How do you deal with, um, if you're going to be nomadic, right, how do you deal with moving around all the time and, and being able to work effectively? How do you deal with your mental? So one of the, my favorite topics on the summit is um, the mental wellness for leaders and remote workers because that's a massive, massive issue that that. I'm seeing, and not just myself, but everyone I've spoken to has said, yes, I've had some kind of depression or anxiety or some kind of issue um, with working remotely. Mm-hmm. And whether it's Is that me because or, of the isolation, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, one example is a mother who works from home and is afforded the ability to do that because of remote work. But she's, she's in, in a, it's great because she's, she can be at home with the kids and the family but sometimes she just needs a break from the kids and the family. And so she needs the community, right? So, so where, do, where do you go in that, in that regard, right? Um, or if, if, if it's the digital nomad who's moving from one country to another all the time, every you know, few months, then it's very hard to set, a, set roots and actually build strong relationships because you're just, you know, ships, ships passing by at night. And so it's really, that's a challenge that comes up, right? So um, these are a few of the things that, that we will be talking about. Yeah, what a valuable summit that will be, the Remote Business Summit. Because, you know, so many people think, oh, how wonderful to work remotely. And, you know, how, how nice to be the, la- the laptop entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's not really lying on a beach with your laptop all the time. There are all these other challenges too. And, you know, ensuring that you get paid, you know, for yes. what you do and how you're going to structure your business and how much do you charge. And then all, all of the things that any entrepreneur who would be, you know, on the ground in this one spot would experience but not having the support network really makes it quite hard so this is going to be an excellent networking event as well as educational event and where will this be held well it'll be held remotely i suppose correct so this is <laughs> this is a completely online uh, virtual event uh, it'll run for two days uh, sorry uh, 
from November 18 to 22. So it's five days, uh, 25 speakers. And then we are looking at, we're in discussions with some of the partners that are potentially doing a, you know, in-person live event at some stage. But um, mm-hmm. we're far from that. Um, this is the first time we've executed this particular event. So um, let's see how that goes first. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That sounds so interesting. And where do people go if they want to find out all about this summit? Right. So the website for the summit is www.remote business summit uh, and there are uh, free tickets for everyone who wants to register um, so they can jump in on that the event kicks off on november 18 summit. and it's you're offering so remote business summit.com correct dot com okay and and you're offering it for free for participants yes so it's um like a big part of this is actually raising awareness around remote companies and remote work. Uh, so whether you are someone who is building a remote company and want to you know, build remote teams or you're someone who's on the other side and you want to be a freelancer or you want to get, you know, get a job in, in that world, um, then we're sort of catering to both and we have people who can speak about those different worlds uh, and, and how, you know, how they interact, right? So mm-hmm. um, it, it really is an exercise in, in awareness. And this is something it's predicted by 20, like in the next five years, that 50% of the population, in the, certainly in the US, will be um, remote workers. And uh, that trends, I don't see that being any different in Australia or in the UK or anywhere else, because I think like we're, we're in the world of, you know, outsourcing and, and offshoring in a big way. Uh, and, you know, big companies, name any big company you want, you know, in Australia and 100% I'm telling you they've already globalised their company yeah. uh, and already doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You know you know what's interesting is even on LinkedIn um, in the job section, you don't have to choose a city or a country anymore. You, you can choose remote as an wow. option. And there are so many businesses now that are actually very happy. You know, even, even in like the big consulting firms, the big accounting firms, they're very happy to have remote workers as well. And with my own private coaching practice, I've structured it such that I, I do work remotely most of the time. I'm working from home. And like we using today zoom this is how i coach my clients and how i can have group coaching sessions as well as one-on-one coaching sessions and i love technology so much that i find it's an enabler and i think um also it it ends up being a bit of a level playing field doesn't it anthony because it doesn't matter uh you know what what relate race religion age demographic you know even your state of health unless you you can't talk or you can't type you can you can still do something you can still provide a service somehow and i think it, it certainly is enabling so many people to be able to to uh, earn an income to create their own business and this is fantastic for freelancers too Absolutely. There's so many uh, benefits to it. There's, you know, there's one of the arguments that comes up with remote work is particularly from managers or hiring managers and companies are, well, you know, how do we know that the person on the other end is actually going to do the work? Um, and the thing with remote work is, well, you, you kind of do know because they have to submit the work to you. You'll see it, like if it's done or not done, right? Um, and there's been a ton of research which indicates just because someone's sitting in the same office with you, it doesn't mean productivity is any more, uh, any better or, or, or whatever it may be, right? So, um, yeah, we can like jam on all about that, but, but mm-hmm. there's definitely, uh, uh, this is the future, it's happening now, and whether you like it or not, it's, you know, over the next five to 10 years, uh, we will be fully, you know, like remote, like, you know, remote companies are just what it's going to be. Um, mm. There's so many benefits, cost benefits. There's going to be 
like you can hire, and I'm sure you've had this experience, you can hire great talent and people with, with amazing skills and abilities at a lower cost, right, in a different location. And, does, you know, and, and um, what it does, you know, I, I hear people like graphic designers and, and copywriters say, oh, but that's terrible because I'll lose my, my clients and things like that. And I say, no, what it does, it forces you to improve your game. It mm-hmm. actually forces you to look at, well, how do you do better or provide something different so that you stand out? Mm. Um, and so, you know, you can sort of cry and go, oh, that's terrible. Like, you know, this was happening in 2003 when we were outsourcing at the beginning. I remember this. Um, companies were saying this. Uh, and then what we learned was actually what it does. We haven't even talked about, Jane, we haven't talked about AI yet. AI, oh. technology that's come in that will replace humans. That's a whole mm-hmm. different conversation. And that's happening in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. I mean, or, automation. There are so many people who are worried about, oh, will robots take my job? But there yes. are many, many skill sets that cannot be automated. Um, and I think the way of the future is you have to make sure that your soft skills, your people skills, your leadership skills uh, are, are really top notch because you, you can't replicate that. I mean, you can to a certain extent, but, but that real human element will still have to be delivered by a human. Whereas if it's going to be um, uh, simple administrative tasks, uh, things like that, you, you can have the chat bots, you know, to, to take care of an awful lot as well of, of customer service. So it's not just out, outsourcing um, call centers. It's, it's sort of outsourcing the receptionist in, yes. in a way. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it definitely is the way of the future, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it frees up our ability as humans to be more creative mm-hmm. uh, and to do things like you say, connect and empathize and um, tell amazing stories and um, become more human. So whilst the trend from a tech, um, on one trend that we're observing is, yes, there's a rise of remote working and freelancing and, and that economy, the other trend that's happening, as you would be well aware, is the rise of co-working, right? Mm-hmm. And shared spaces and people coming together to collaborate. And um, there's actually a movement happening right now, which is the um, the makers are coming into like they're, they're, they're having a revolution where you know everything's all about organic, all the things about slow food and slow cooking and um, you know how to make things with your hand. So what's happening is we're actually kind of like returning back to you know the times of villages and and mm-hmm. and connecting on that level because and, and that's actually where the opportunity is right so you know like i'm looking at already i'm looking at well what's the next evolution of my career because i know that at you know the level of um artificial intelligence in terms of copywriting is already at, almost at a stage where it's going to replace what i do for a living right so i actually have i'm actually i'm already looking at well what's next because i need to upskill and make sure I'm ready for that that iteration. Yeah, I noticed like um, even for writing, there are so many tools that can assist you, like Grammarly and Hemingway, um, if you're not quite sure about you know, your, your syntax and all that sort of thing. But also, I was just thinking back to, you know, that managers who have to uh, lead remote teams, that's really hard. So uh, you as a project manager back in the day, um, I, I, I guess there must be many tools like Asana and Bootcamp or whatever that, that, that you would recommend that um, leaders could use in order to to really monitor what their team are doing as well. Absolutely. I mean, you've man, you mentioned we're using Asana for our own team uh, and for running the summit. Uh, uh, one of my clients is using Rike. There's, there's uh, 
a ton of project management systems you can use. The biggest part of it to me is um, you need to mirror and match, marry the system or the tool uh, and the tool sets that you're using with the culture. And that's a big piece which, you know, a, a tool cannot create. That's something where as humans we need to sit together, you know, and speak with each other and work out, okay, well, what is the culture of our company? What is the ethos? What makes it um, what it is? And, and you know, it, it's actually you start off with the leaders doing that, but, you know, this is one of the topics we'll definitely be talking about on a summit. Um, but it, it, when a company is growing and you get, you know, your first VA or you get, you know, you start building people into a team, um, everyone has an input into what that culture becomes, right? And then there's just actually a transition, if you will, of the leader actually letting go of their, what they think the culture is. Like they, they might have a vision as to where the company is going and that's, the, that's certainly their role of the CEO, but you, you, what naturally happens, and a good, good example of this is Zappos. So if you actually go and read um, Tony Shea's book about um, the Zappos journey, uh, they've got a whole program on, on how to do that. Um, and they basically have just one of the, the, the biggest, I mean, Amazon, Amazon went to them for consulting on how to build culture because mm. it's just a, just a tremendous story on how they did it. Mm, that's interesting. Zappos. Okay. Yes. That's something that we can recommend as well in the show notes. Now, yes. Anthony, we could we could talk all day, <laughs> all night, because there's so much to be covered when it comes to remote work and and it's not as simple as one thinks because you know once you start doing it it opens up a whole can of worms as well but it certainly is the way of the future and I think people would be very smart if they if they want to future proof their careers to be very aware of the remote work summit and um, all, all the learning that they would get from it and so Anthony are you going to leave us with a few final words because I will be putting all of your links in the show notes in janejacksoncoach.com so you can just go over there and click and and, and find Anthony and and the remote work summit if you if you want to do that with ease sure. but final words anthony uh i'm going to go back to the, the title of your book which is all which it's all about navigating crossroads <laughs> and actually um you know understanding and appreciating that the journey is an evolving one and where you feel wherever you are today in your career due to the way the world is moving and technology is moving there's a good chance that that you'll have to adjust and flow with it uh and and we can try and you know, hold on to something, an idea, a concept, an identity of who we are, uh, but inevitably, right, um, the universe or whatever you want to call it, life will, will, will push you uh, and give you opportunities to, to grow as a human being. And that's really what it's all about. Mm. And the only constant is change. change. <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah oh thank you so much for your time tonight anthony really appreciate it uh, anthony not anthony uh, <laughs> it's it's a beautiful name anthony does it mean something yes it actually means little warrior it's an american indian name ah little warrior i like that but i'm not so little anymore <laughs> <laughs> no you're, I'm six big, foot one you're the, now. You're the big now. you're the big warrior now <laughs> and thank thank you again so much for your time anthony and i look forward to finding out how everything went with the uh, remote work summit it's an honor and i look forward to hearing more about your launches and your uh, your, your training programs thanks oh, jane thanks so much bye now 
You've been listening to Your Career Podcast with Jane Jackson. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. I'll love you for it. And as promised, here's the link to your free job search guide. Go to www.thecareersacademy.online forward slash free job search guide. Too easy. Or go to my show notes and the link will be there. So hop over to janejacksoncoach.com forward slash podcast. And remember, until next time, believe in yourself and create magic. If you enjoyed this episode of Your Career Podcast, I invite you to check out my career success program at thecareersacademy.online. The Career Success Program is the original program that uniquely provides 24-7 on-demand career support and fortnightly live career coaching sessions to keep you on track to reach your career goals. It is the essential resource for anyone who wants to manage their career effectively, make a career change and land the job they'll love. Whether you're in exploration mode or seeking a new career direction and need help to make it a reality, the Career Success Program is for you. Not only do you get access to my step-by-step roadmap to navigate your career crossroads, my extensive training library and exclusive members-only discounts and tools, you'll also become part of my supportive community of professionals who will help you with feedback, encouragement and advice. All this and more makes the Career Success Program the number one place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow their career. Check it out and join me at thecareersacademy.online.